Welcome to Milo Time, where we dive into the list of things that Milo loved and spend some time with my beautiful, amazing, awesome, fantastic boy, Milo. Welcome to another episode of Milo Time, where we look at the list of things that Milo loved and spend some time with our beloved Milo. I'm Daryl Kessler, hosting solo today and digging my hand into the bag of tricks and pulling out the word burpee. Uh, For those of you not familiar with the terminology, a burpee is a piece of cloth, typically um, like a rectangular piece of cotton that many very, very, very young children carry around and often use as just a comfort blanket. Many times kids uh, suck on these burpees for a period of time while they're younger and they act as a sort of a substitute for um, a binky or a pacifier. And at some point, doctors start to tell parents that it's a good idea for their kids to give up their burpees or their binkies or their um, pacifiers because it could impact the uh, orthodonture of their big boy teeth as they come in. Well, to go back a bit, some of you have heard me and have heard Alana talk about our abiding belief that Milo, from the day he was born, was a much older person in a baby's and then a young boy's costume. He always seemed to be extraordinarily wise, wise well, well, well beyond his years, and in many cases, wise beyond our years as well. Uh, He often, among the four of us, Alana, Max, Milo, and I, was the voice of reason, even from a very young age. He almost always was the coolest head, and he very, very frequently was the most rational and thoughtful. So circling back to the idea of the burpee, when Milo was younger, uh, probably between the ages of three and five, he did carry around one of these burpees when it was time for him to either take a nap or to go to sleep at night. And he would put the burpee in his mouth and he would suck on it and it would help calm him down and he would go right to sleep. And we had that conversation that I mentioned early with earlier with his doctor or with his dentist who said, you know, um, at some point his teeth are going to fall out and his big boy teeth are going to come in and it's bad for someone to be sucking on a thumb, a pacifier, a burpee when their teeth come in because it could really affect the orthodonture. So again, Milo's probably five or six years old. I think that's about the age that kids start losing their teeth, maybe seven. Um, And one night we just said to Milo, you know, uh, you were with your dentist today and you heard uh, him talking to us with you there about the need to at some point give up this burp because it might affect your teeth. And Milo just looked at us and said, okay, I don't really need it. And he kind of handed it over to Alana and me. We stared at each other and that was the end of it. He never used it again. And it goes to that concept that I know I mentioned at his service, but Alana and I have talked about many times that he was just going through the motions of behaving like a little kid, even though he knew and he knew that we knew that inside that kid suit, that kid costume, was a much older and wiser kid. Similarly, when Milo was very, very young, he had a lisp, probably 
I'm going to say, until he was in kindergarten. It was a very mild lisp. And if you didn't kind of look at the way he spoke, you might not even hear it. But we did take him at the encouragement, I think, of his kindergarten teacher to a speech therapist. And she noted the lisp. And Milo went to two sessions with her, maybe three. Alana would remember better than I do, but just a couple of sessions. And they worked together, whatever it was. And Milo came home after the third session, whatever the last session was, and said, okay, um, I think I'm done with that. I think I got it now. And we said, what do you mean you got it? He said, well, I I, I understand what she's saying, and I'm I'm not going to have a lisp anymore. And he never had a lisp again. He literally corrected it on his own again, the concept being that he was, it almost felt as though he was had this cute little lisp because he was supposed to have it as a little boy. And it wasn't that he was being taught not to lisp by a speech therapist, but he was going through the motions of shaking the lisp the way that a young person is supposed to, even though he didn't really need to be lisping in the first first place. It it was just that kind of feeling um, that we always had. It was a similar story with potty training, which can be very, very um, challenging for parents um, without going into too many details. It was certainly a challenge for our older son. Don't want to embarrass Max in any way, but it was challenging, challenging in typical ways with Milo, not even a little bit. One day just says, I'm done using diapers, kind of told us he was done and he was done, never had an accident, understood that it was time, recognized that kids at some point uh, stop using diapers. This man in a baby's costume realized that the age had arrived at which it was time for him to stop pretending to need to use diapers and just told us he was done with them. And sure enough, he was he was done with them. You also may recall if you have young kids, anyone listening out there, the idea of transitioning from a crib to a bed can be difficult for some kids. And there's all kinds of thinking and learning out there about how you prepare your child and how you prepare yourself and how you make sure that the transition works just fine. And by this time, we kind of recognized that Milo had this sort of sense and wisdom and we didn't need to do a lot of preparation. And one day we I remember we moved this, the crib out of his room. We put a little boy's bed in there and he just went to sleep right in it and barely even commented on it. And shortly thereafter, we went from a little boy's bed to a big boy's bed to a, you know, basic a twin size or even a queen size. And he never had any issue with it at all. Um, one more time, the concept that Alan and I always had this feeling we always had this feeling that he would often make eye contact with us. And I know some people have heard this and I'm not a believer in magical thinking. And of course, I don't actually think this is true, but he had a soul and a spirit where he would make eye contact with Alana and me. And we had the sense that there was an older person, a wiser person in this suit. And he knew it and he knew that we knew it. And it was our sense that he was going through the motions of being a little kid because he was in this little kid's body, in this little kid's suit. But in reality, he was just going through the motions of behaving that way, knowing that he was older and wiser than his kid's suit, his body would present itself as. 
And this happened quite regularly. I've given a couple of examples, but often Alana and I would be very, very, I wouldn't say freaked out, but we would make eye contact when we were communicating with Milo and we would say, did you see it happened again later that evening? It happened again where Milo made eye contact with us in a way that suggested that he understood things, that he was letting us know he understood them, even though a kid his age wasn't supposed to understand them. And we didn't discuss it. He didn't speak about it. He just kind of made eye contact with us in a way to let us know that he understood these things. Many of you have heard the story many times that we told at Milo's service that when he was playing youth soccer on a team with some friends, soccer, which, by the way, did not accentuate Milo's positives the way some sports he came to play later in life did, uh, generally more focused on physicality and speed. Um, Milo didn't like the rough stuff and was quite slow, actually. Um, But he was playing as a seven-year-old. I remember the jersey. If I close my eyes, he was wearing a light blue jersey. He was on a team with his great friend Ben Muchnick. He was on a team, that team also had uh, Gabriel Tuckman, uh on the team. So he was probably seven years old. And he was running at half speed on the field. Um, may have been full speed for him, but it certainly looked like half speed for people on the sidelines. And uh, Alana was yelling to him in good-natured way, Milo, get moving, get running. And he just trotted right over to the sidelines. He looked Alana right in the face and said, Mom... I'm doing the best that I can. And then kind of just trotted off. And Alana was on the sidelines with our great friend, Lydia, and certainly with our great friend, Julie Lillian, who was Gabe Tockman's mother, Lydia Ben Muchnick's mother, and all looked at each other and kind of said, well, Milo kind of told you what was what. And sure enough, he was right. He was right. It was no place for a parent to be yelling at a seven-year-old child, not in a negative way, but just even in an encouraging way, it was appropriate for a parent to stand on the sideline and support their child. And how hard Milo was running or what he was achieving on the field was hardly important in the grand scheme. And Milo understood that. He understood that youth sports was supposed to be for the benefit of the child. You know, he belonged for many years to an organization called the 78th Precinct which is a local police precinct, but they also ran the local little leagues. They did basketball, they did baseball, and ultimately they did flag football as well. And it was always a credo of the 78th precinct that youth sports is not adult entertainment. Now, I always wish that the 78th precinct adhered more closely to that idea. All my years of coaching, I always felt that There should have been more engagement by the organization to encourage both coaches and parents to keep that credo in mind. But Milo understood it intuitively from a very young age, that this was about the kids, not about the adults. And again, as even a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old had that wisdom about him that is really not typical of a kid and is really not even typical of, um, of adults. Um, One other thing I do want to touch on, as long as we talked about Milo's bed, um, I have such unbelievable memories, and this is just so touching and adorable and incredible to think about. But 
when Milo was probably nine or 10 years old, um, how did we know that he had woken up in the morning? Max and Milo, for those of you who don't know the configuration of our home, Max and Milo have rooms on the third floor and Alana and I have a room on the second floor. And roughly about the time Milo was nine years old, he would let us know that he had woken up by singing. He would sing in his bed. Um, Again, just a cliche of what you might think a little boy might do. But I remember in particular Milo waking up singing some great song that was on his mind from the day before, ones that come to mind immediately. Um, He loved Leonard Cohen, Everybody Knows. Not your typical nine-year-old song, but certainly adorable to hear a nine-year-old singing it from upstairs. He often would sing Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror, maybe taking on some creepy undertones in light of uh, what later went down with Michael Jackson, what we know was going down with Michael Jackson. And he also uh, would sometimes sing Indigo Girls' Little Perennials, which is a song that may not be familiar to you all. But again, another way that Milo, um, again, understood the way a kid was supposed to act, understood that it was adorable. In some ways, it felt that he was doing it for our benefit as a way to, again, indicate to us that even though this very wise individual was inside this much smaller person's body, that um, that smaller person could still behave age-appropriately, even if, again, one more time, he knew and we knew that a much wiser much uh, more intelligent, much more thoughtful, um, much more sensible, much more logical person already existed beneath that surface. That's all the time we have for this episode of Milo Time. We hope you'll tune in again soon for another episode of Milo Time and where we spend more time with the list of things that Milo loved.